Hello and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and love from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, more attracted to the Hulk than I should be, Steel. And I'm Jade, here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative, Rose. And if there's one thing every studio in Hollywood wants right now, it's cinematic universe, or a cinematic universe. But so many seem to stumble at the first hurdle. Universal's dark universe was announced and cancelled within a matter of months when the mummy didn't live up to their expectations. So why almost 10 years on does the Marvel Cinematic Universe survive and thrive? And uh, quick question, where are all the queers at? (laughs) Well... We're going to talk very much about that topic in the second half, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we should do right now is a quick geek out, because I, I think we're very lucky these days. Yeah. Um, and there was a time. There was a time when I was short. When, um, uh-huh. it's in, a, a little bit of, in, an, in answer to the question I made you say at the start, because I wrote the description for the blur. Um, You're welcome. I think one of the reasons why the Marvel Cinematic Universe does survive is that it's an adaptation of a shared universe. Yes. Um, It's not being forced. Uh Um, And I think it's surprising to me that we made so many standalone films and it took until very recently. Like, we're so used to the idea of a cinematic universe, but we forget that ultimately, at the time, it was a very unique and new thing to try. Sure. And Um, I mean, it started on such a fucking punt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, of all the possible Marvel properties to begin... To be fair, there had been Blade, which is actually a Marvel property in mm-hmm. the X-Men movies, but the punt was Robert Downey Jr., yeah. first of all, and Iron Man, of all properties. Yeah, which is a household name now, but I'd never really heard of. No, I wasn't familiar. He was very uh, deep knowledge even yeah. though he's in so significant to so many storylines in the comics. Yeah, but like, he wasn't, like, when my knowledge... I mean, I knew a little bit because I'd read... Um, I think I'd read the Civil War comic then and I had a couple mm. of things that I'd read. But I, I, I was more familiar with the stuff that had been, like, the animated series in the 90s. So I knew Spider-Man. I knew the X-Men. Yes. Um, yeah, it was a huge gamble. And I think one of the reasons why the Marvel Cinematic Universe survives is because they waited to have a good film. Yeah. And then took their time to keep making good films. Yeah. I mean, really, I don't think they were expecting it. They put that first post credit stinger of, I'm here mm. to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. But that didn't... That, all that could have been is that would be the plot of Iron Man 2 or... yeah. You know, I've seen so many films that end in those kinds of cliffhangers yeah. without any resolution. Sure. But um, it was that hinting at the wide world. That could have just mm. been a fun little Easter egg for the, the yeah. deep fans of the, of the comics who, would, who knew what the Avengers were. And uh, something that always surprises me is that The Incredible Hulk came out the next month. Oh, wow. And it was not intended to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And then they filmed a stinger with... And then they filmed a scene which now doesn't really make much sense (laughs) in the context, but... But they did it. They got Robert Downey to do a... Um, And since then, we've had many films. Um, Yeah. I mean, dare I try and name them all? Dare we try and... I can pull it up. I mean... Let's let's... Let's not try to do them in order of cinematic release, because that is a bit of an ask. That's the only way I can try and. Well, if, you, if that's the easier way to do it, weird chronological brain. Well, I mean, you don't need to. There's three Iron Mans. Yep. 
There's Captain America, Winter Soldier, and Civil War. Yep. There's Thor one, two, and three. Thor, Thor, one, two, and three. Thor the Dark World, Thor Ragnarok, um, Guardians of the Galaxy one and two. Uh, then there's the Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. Avengers Age of Ultron, and then you have Doctor Strange, Ant Man, mm-hmm. yep, and Spider Man Homecoming, yep. And then to be released next year is Black Panther. Black Panther is next year, as is Avengers Infinity War, as is Ant Man and the Wasp, as is, and then after that, there's then Captain it's Captain Marvel. Marvel is the following year. Um, and then there's like another Avengers song, but uh, and then also we are to be very clear while we're talking about the cinematic universe, we are also including uh, Marvel Agents of Shield and Agent Carter. I'm not talking about Inhumans because apparently it's utterly shit, and I've not seen any of it. I don't it. think Marvel really wants you to talk about it. I think they want it to uh, yeah disappear because there's been recently the discussion that they might actually be quite close to um, all right buying. At okay. least the Fantastic Four back and yeah. maybe X-Men. Uh, but yeah, sorry, to carry on, there's the Netflix, uh, Daredevil, mm. Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and obviously Defenders, and now Punisher, which has just come out. Coming and soon is The Runaways. Runaway, I am excited for The Runaways, because yeah. that's one of the few comics that I've sort of known. The cast looks great. They could have picked a heavier actress to play Gert, really, but, yeah. but um, at least she isn't tiny. But yeah. yeah, that apparently, according to this Wikipedia article I have open, uh, that's a Hulu series, and it's going to on November 21st. That might be the pilot. There's um, another show called Cloak and Dagger. Oh, yeah, that's that's also here. A freeform series, so I guess they don't know who's <laughs> going to be broadcasting it yet. There's also on this list Marvel's New Warriors, Marvel's Most Wanted, and Marvel's Damage Control. I have no idea <laughs> what any of those are. Um, I think New Warriors is the one which Squirrel Girl's the main character in. Oh, I'm, I'm hoping this is new tabs. Carry on. Basically, and that, I mean, this is very much the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is, of course, other Marvel films, but they don't quite count. Yeah, uh, for example, the original Spider-Man movies, Sam Raimi's trilogy, and The Amazing Spider-Man Part 1 and 2, the, the X-Men, X-Men franchise. Um, well, also, there's a kind of add-on universe because Spider-Man Homecoming is set both in the MCU and a very confusing kind of odd Spider-Man franchise because Sony is now filming a Venom movie mm-hmm. and like yeah. Sony says it's set in the MCU but nice. um, as a fan of Godzilla yeah. which has the most confusing timeline ever I'm quite used to it but I can understand why yeah. something of like this is pretty confusing to other people okay Marvel's Most Wanted is a spin-off from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. wow um, New Warriors is, as you said, the Squirrel Girl series, and Mr. Immortal. <laughs> I don't know who that is. That's cool. I'm excited to see Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Um, who's playing her? Milana? She looks promising. Um, <laughs> these aren't probably going to be the top of my to-watch list, and especially no. if they're on these kind of strange American... Like Hulu's and Freeforms and yeah. stuff, I'm not quite... I assumed Freeform many didn't have a network yet, but maybe Freeform is a network. <laughs> Who can say? There's, there's many things that you have to stream to nowadays. Um, sure. But yeah, so... It's wide. It's fucking enormous. And yes, one, I think, if one was being uh, cynical, um, it's a money farm. Yeah. There's a lot of pros and cons to a cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. And when people say cinematic universe, Mar- this Marvel one is the main deal. Yeah. Um, it's the alpha. It's the Whatever's America. whatever DC's up to yeah. <laughs> um, is remain to be seen. Um, 
But I think ultimately one of the problems with the DC one and the Dark Universe and all these other ones is uh, people are so desperate they're rushing. Yes. Whereas the event, the Marvel Cinematic Universe could have ended at the Avengers and it would have been a nice culmination of like, sure, this is what we did. Um, but the reason why the Avengers works is all of those characters are pretty established and you get excited to see them together. Not to see action figures stood next to each other, but to see how personalities, you know, yes. will clash. Yes. And I think one of the pros of the cinematic universe has been the fact that not only are the characters really different and uh, they're not, we know who the characters are, yeah. but they have the time to develop slower sure. and over long periods of time. Like you were with the TV series. Yeah. You've got that breathing space the the tv series idea is both a pro and a con to me because while the characters are more deep sometimes you go and see the films and come out of them thinking like uh-huh. i feel like i've watched episode 17 of season three of a tv sure, show sure. and like i think conversely while you said a con about you've got the time to get to know people excuse me and you know these characters a con that i have which is now sort of starting to see a trend shifting is there's almost a homogenizing effect mm. where the films become very samey in how they feel to look at. And I feel that's a real wasted opportunity when each of these heroes have got such distinct differences and I feel they really miss a trick. Like, I'm not saying there aren't differences. But, mm. um, for example, I think it was Every Frame of Painting did a great thing about the mu- the mu- the, the music of the Marvel Universe yes. and how it's like utterly unrememberable and we were just talking before we started recording about struggling to find lines particularly memorable like there's some great exchanges there's some very gifted actors in in the marvel cinematic universe but yeah um to say to return back it's not as bad as i think the dc cinematic universe um and it's desaturation ahoy although if i had to choose a quote from the dc universe there's like a million batman versus superman quotes yes, that, that i say I, all the time you, yes but i don't know whether everyone finds it quite as quotable darling as you do no that's true um, but um i feel like a couple of bucked the trend like it's, i think why it's frustrating for me is because the fu- is because phase one of the marvel cinematic universe the movies did feel very different yes and phase two, I think, suffered for feeling very meh. Yeah. Not to say that they're... I understand why the Winter Soldier is so highly loved amongst... In, uh, and there's a reason. But, like, Iron Man 2, weakest of the Iron Man movies. Mm. Thor 2, weakest of the Thor movies. I think that part of that's why Guardians of the Galaxy felt so good was because it was so different to everything else happening yeah. in phase two. Yeah, I agree. So... Some people talk about how so many Marvel films take place in a world that's perpetually like overcast. Yeah. That they all seem to take place at kind of 3 p.m. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I can understand that. Um, I, I think The Avengers was so popular and so critically lauded that everyone, that everything's kind of copied, copied, copied that tone and. It started a huge trend of films ending in a big purple laser heading into the sky, which I've seen in so many films. <laughs> a big blue light of yeah, whatever. Yeah, some kind of light into the heavens. Yeah. Um, and I think I think definitely Marvel has... Marvel doesn't need to do very much to make us go, oh, that was a little bit different, because yeah. they've set such a um, tone and look for the series. Yeah. I also think that sometimes they... 
don't go as far as they would in a normal film because they got to think take the whole universe into account. I appreciate that that's got to be difficult. Yeah. Like, that's a lot to ask. But I imagine there is somebody whose job it is to... Yeah. Some poor schmuck. Almost. I was thinking about Age of Ultron in that... Part of why I think his plan, Ultron's evil plan, makes not a whole lot of sense is because, realistically, he should be so powerful yeah. that he, like causes a power cut throughout the entire world and whatever. Yeah. But if that happens, then we have to deal with it in Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and yeah. all these things. And so... I mean, yeah, to give a credit, that they did really well, I think, with the Winter Soldier and how that intersected with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm. But Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. scrambled because they just literally got told, oh, yeah, by the way, S.H.I.E.L.D. is... Yeah. Hydra, have fun. And that utterly messed them over. I do think the TV shows... Nothing in the TV shows will ever affect the movies, but the TV shows have to respond to the movies a lot. Yes. There's an episode of... Um, well, I mean, Daredevil, it's it's on such a peripheral, and yet the concept is still about them trying to rebuild New York after, after the, the Avengers. Avengers. Like, even though it's so vague, yeah. it's still affected. Yes. Um, Jessica Jones has a really cool episode where, completely unrelated to the main plot... Somebody... Some family of people that hate superheroes like yeah. <laughs> tries and attacks her yeah um it's an interesting universe because it still tries to maintain that it's the real world but it is somewhat skewed yeah um basically we're fans but god there's a lot <laughs> we like to complain about too yeah but i think they 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 almost deserve it they yeah. they know what um these are big budget movies they can handle it and yeah. these are tv shows that get a decent amount of money thrown at them. So do you have a favourite corner of the MCU? Mm, I do now have a weakness for certain adventures in space. <laughs> but I really... I, I say this having yet to see Luke Cage, The Defenders, or Iron Fist, mm -hmm. or Punisher. I do really like Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Yeah. There's... Um, not to say about the problems, and yeah, we've talked about it before, but I also have very positive memories, like, because you and I mainlined Jessica Jones together and season two of mm. Daredevil uh, with Lydia and discovered our love of Sour Kids. <laughs> <laughs> There's moments in those shows which I think is the best stuff in them. I genuinely think some of Marvel Cinematic... The MCU's best has been in those Netflix seasons. Because while the heroes in the movies get quite well-developed they often don't have enough time to develop villains mm. and both Kingpin uh, and uh, Kilgrave yeah. and also the Punisher who sort of acts as a villain for a bit of season two. Yeah. Um, they feel like, the thing is they feel like people. They yes. feel like, I mean, I feel that's possibly why Loki has been consistently so popular because of all the Marvel villain, the movie villains particularly, we've spent enough time with him. Also because Tom Hiddleston has got a really good empathy face. Like mm. you can't help, he's such a good actor you're with him, which is why Loki mm. keeps coming back and remained. They're getting a little better. Definitely. I, I hope, um, I have a hope that in the comics, Thanos is the thing, yeah. is that he's trying to court... Goddess of Death. The Goddess of Death, who in the comics is death, mm. and basically a grim relief her with skeleton boobs. Yeah. But you've just set up a... 
a goddess of death who's really great and yeah. I'd love to see more of. So I hope she comes back. I also was pretty glad that um, uh, I really liked uh, the vulture uh, in Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? No, I need to. He was good because um, Spider-Man Homecoming in general is kind of interesting because it's actually not about saving the world. It's about stopping like a burglar. Yeah. And he's just a very low-level crime person. Yeah. And uh, cool. they just they do a nice thing with him. Well, that's one of the things about Spider-Man, is that Spider-Man was always quite low mm. stakes. Yeah. That's why part of why I like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, because their stories are small. I do. Th- their yeah. worlds are small. I actually think that's a thing that the MCU has done quite well, is knowing when to make things small again. Mm-hmm. So... When I watched Thor for the very first time in the cinema, and the culmination of the film is basically a kind of big, but not Mm. too big, robot attacks a small town, I was thinking, I bet the reason why this is quite small is so that when they do the Avengers... They've got money. (laughs) Well, not that they've got money, but there's like a story reason why they have to come together, because it really is a bigger threat than that's ever been. I mean, the first Iron Man movie, yeah, there's the, 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 the terrorist angle, but the main villain is Obadiah. Yeah, they just have like fight. a fight in the street. It's two big robots. It's the Iron Man suit and Obadiah, I forget. Uh, I forget the name of Obadiah's yeah. robot. Well, the, I mean, I don't love... Warmonger. Either, yeah, I don't love either of these films. But no. I'm Actually, talking about the ones I'm about to talk about. Right. Um, but I thought it was a smart choice after Age of Ultron to then do Ant-Man and make the plot about a heist. Yes. Like, they know when to... They to breathe, it's like... Yeah, they can't keep... You can't have ever-escalating stakes. Yes. Because it becomes ridiculous. Um, and improbable, and it's like we've talked about like when we've talked about horror like tension you need moments you need you can't have everything at the same level because otherwise mm. the level becomes meaningless I mean I I don't this isn't a Marvel versus DC episode <laughs> um, nor do we intend to do one I don't think no um, I, I want the DC films to succeed the but something I remember feeling during Justice League is I have no idea how uh, how a normal person feels in this world about any of the characters. Like, Batman vs. Superman goes to great lengths to tell you people don't like either of them or they kind of do like some of them. But I like that in the MCU, you have different things coexisting and it not feeling like they can't. So my, I think one of my favourite things in the MCU ever is an episode of Jessica Jones where she's forced to live in her uh, is that her childhood house again yes because Kilgrove bought it yeah and it's so disturbing but so well written and performed yes and I'm totally at peace with the same with the fact that that exists in the same universe as Harold the Duck and mm-hmm. Ra- and Rocket Raccoon it doesn't you don't have mental dissonance about no, it because they've I put can, the, the work in yeah and, the, and another thing is that I often talk about how Rocket Raccoon is one of the most well-developed characters of the MCU, they actually do, deep down, for all the jokes and the Mm. explosions, they do genuinely care about characters. Yes. And respect characters even if they're silly. Yeah. I think what you were just saying about the way that they're regarded in the world by other people in the world might be somewhat of a callback to the... I think I've heard it said a few times that Marvel are humans who become gods, and in DC it's gods who try to be human. Yes. 
And, and I um, feel that is kind of reflected in like you're saying about the way they're in. Yeah, you feel like, Mar- as you said, Marvel movies happen in the world and affect the world, uh, whereas for the DC, the world is just a, the stage shit happens on. I think it also is a difference that even though you have things like Wakanda and mm. Asgard, the Marvel Cinematic Universe... Has always been our world. It's always been our world, whereas Gotham and Metropolis are always yeah. parallel to our world. Yes. Um, it reminds me a bit of the Doctor Who universe in that... Mm-hmm. Even though, especially in the RTD era's era, stuff was they they tried to have some kind of recurring development, and that people get a bit scared of Christmas in London, and sure, um, sometimes people do know about aliens, and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Um, it still ultimately tries to keep resetting itself to the real world. Mm-hmm. Like I think about how in Marvel films they keep they always want to have the world at a level in which they can introduce a new hero yeah and they are still relatable to our world yeah like even in spider-man i think there's elements that his origins are somehow tied to the fact that he's in new york and there's things happening sure they still want to make him a relatable kid yeah let's talk favorite characters as we've been discussing Mm. how they are so much more personable in marvel you're allowed three you, you, you give one, I'll give one. Um, I'm going to give one because I don't know if he's a favourite character, but he's one I feel I connect to in a way that surprises me. Oh, interesting. And I don't... It's it's Star-Lord, and I have... I don't really like the character, and I don't... I think Peter Quill's a great character. This is the thing. People often say that, like, oh, the worst thing about the Guardians of the Galaxy films is Peter Quill or, like, following really? him around because he's a jerk. But I don't... He's one of those characters where I've... I, he exists in a world of headcanons that That's true. turn him into a character that I really relate to, but it's how I read the film the first time. Yeah. And I wasn't overly aware... It was a bit Death of the Wheel for I wasn't overly aware of James Gunn. I wasn't... Yeah. All I thought of Chris Pratt was just, like the chubby guy from Parks and Rec who I like. Um, And when I first saw Guardians of the Galaxy, I was so, like, that is a, like, I thought he was kind of queer-coded in a way that um, I don't think anymore, really. But I just felt a kind of connection to someone who... um, he no, can, he it. could go home if he wanted to. He's not yeah. trapped in space. People in space like the fact that he was picked up from Earth by aliens means that he has the ability to go there. Yeah. It's the fact that he it feels more like running away from your family to go to the city where you're important. Yeah. Um have lots of kind of weird sexual encounter mistakes that sure. are kind of sloppy and weird and just be a kind of like loser but the one of the reasons why i really connect to it is when i first saw guardians of the galaxy it made me really proud of earth yeah because they do this they kind of make this choice that no one in space has really heard of music or dancing Mm. it's kind of it's not just a gamora thing Mm. like um no one in space really knows the point or the logic to that yeah and i got this kind of it felt like doctor who where i suddenly became proud of like 
humanity's love of things that are pointless. Yeah. Because we are very obsessed with like mortality and our way of dealing with it is just have fun while you can. Where everyone else in the film is defined by like revenge and no one else is like... To them, the idea of friendship is a really bizarre concept. Yeah. And just those little things. Peter is so very human. Yeah. He's so human. And and it's like it's in the same way that a British accent really sticks out in a film full of American people. Mm. I feel like Peter's humanity, for all that it's good and for all that it's awful, is sort of thrown into stark relief. Yeah, it's just a character setup that I keep coming back to. I'm I'm trying to write like a graphic novel, which is in many ways my fix it fit <laughs> fix it fic cool. of just Peter Quill. So I think about him a lot. That's great. How about you? Number one. See, number one is hard because you know me, I'm not very good at quantifying. Um, If I had to pick like three characters who I really love in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, I'd pick Rocket Raccoon, Mm. who I identify with more than I should. And as you were saying earlier, is one of the most arguably fleshed out characters. But there's something about Rocket that I I latched onto from the first trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy mm. and yeah like what they do with Rocket and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 like I have one of my D&D characters is very like Rocket um you know uh, I've spoken about uh, Ren my rock gnome artificer mm. who is the one with the metal leg and uh PTSD coming out of her ears or what's left of one of her ears uh but yeah Rocket does something to, for me as a character that Nobody else really in the Marvel Cinematic Universe does. Um, I need. Well, it makes me angry that I haven't seen Homecoming because I really love Tom Honda's performance as mm, Peter Parker yeah. in just in that brief moment in um, Civil War. Yeah. But that was enough to make me go, "Oh, I love this child." Mm. Um, so Peter, and also, oh, I want two more. You're naming all of them. No, I won't name all of them. There's many. Um, I love Jessica Jones, like, so hard, but I do not whether whether I would love her in person. Yes. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is a stunning thing. But as a character, it's got to be Foggy Nelson. <laughs> nice. Like, I identify hardcore with Foggy as a person, but the notion of a character that stays good and kind but is existing in this world but is also kind mm-hmm. of a fanboy of heroes... Foggy is a great XP for the audience, generally speaking, but I think he represents a lot of what is good in the world, mm. and I really like him as a moral touchstone. Yeah. Yeah, just Foggy's great. Foggy's great. Ah. Just to go back to Rocket, I think Yeah. the thing that I'm most impressed by is that he's never... We've never had his origins. No, we just know created we've, we've visually seen them yes and I, I that's some great show don't tell right yeah there. in a in a in a film which has a talking raccoon and a talking tree and is not trying to be subtle no the moments in which it is are really interesting and i just think agreed he has had a much more subtle arc like um it was in the Lindsay. Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay Ellis. Uh, her retroactive on Guardians 2. Yeah, where Guardians 2 is far from a perfect film. Yeah, bit of a mess. But the fact that if you really do watch it and realise it's a film about Rocket, mm. it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I just think he 
the thing that surprised me most, I think, about Going Into the Galaxy is this character totally set up to be comic relief, funny is visual. Not. Is not. Is a character. Yeah. And they... I'm not... At the end of the first film, they, like, animate a raccoon crying, crying. in a way that is in no way funny. No. I'm like... And I'm not, I'm not pulled out of it. I'm just like... Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Rocket. I, yeah. Anyway, so so nice. I love Jessica Jones as well. Um, don't really relate to her, but I... My trash, I just, my, our trash daughter. Um, I love uh, Matt Murdock. Matt Murdock is... There's a hot mess right there. Um, Emphasis on both the hot and the mess. Uh, I kind of wish I'd, I'd chosen a different uh, title because a quote I have been saying recently mm. is there's... Uh, in the Defenders, the um, first time they all come together and fight something, they don't really know each other. Yeah. They just all happen to be in the same place at the same time. And uh, they then hide out in a Chinese restaurant. And Iron Fist... Danny Rand. Danny Rand, who is not my favourite character in the world, is scoffing down dumplings. Yeah. And then <laughs> Luke Cage, who they work much better together than separately, yeah. says like... You can slow down, kid. And him with a face full of dumplings says, it takes a lot of energy to summon my chi. <laughs> and like, as a big fan of Kung Fu Panda yes. and uh, overeating, I relate relate to that. Um, there's just so many characters. That's the thing. And what I find great about the Marvel is you will find one that you yes. can love. I love Steve. Steve Rod, like... like Chris Evans has done such an amazing job. Mm. I genuinely love Tony Stark. yes. Yeah. And I feel that's a character that was so hard, but Robert Downey Jr. plays him with such pathos and he's so well written. Like, this is somebody with so much self loathing. Mm. I get very, I'm, I don't want to call myself a Tony Stark apologist, mm. but I get very, like, yes, please call Tony Stark an asshole. He is. He has been a warmonger. He has done terrible things. But people that like shit all over the character, and I'm just like, I don't get it. Like, have you not seen, I don't understand mm. how you can watch the same thing I watched. Yeah. And come from that. There are characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe on the other side who I love the concept of and are consistently messed around. And yes, we're talking about Black Widow. Yeah. I mean, Black Widow and Rocket are quite similar in that yeah. their origins have kind of like been also hinted Bucky. at over time. <laughs> and Bucky. Uh, but Black Widow feels like every time a new writer has handed her, they're like... Nobody seems to know what to do. Yeah. And it's really a shame because at the end of the day, she's the female lead yeah. of the MCU. And that's where they consistently fucked up. Yeah. And it's like, I just I, I just watched Justice League and if I'm going to hand mm. the DC Universe a compliment in exchange, it's that they have Wonder Woman who is, for the majority of the Justice League, the co-main character. Yeah. Um. I just, it shouldn't have taken, well, we're going to talk about criticisms in the second half, yeah, but sure. yeah, Black Widow is not. She has been the most disserved by the cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, I do know people who, I mean, I love her, but I, I think, know, yeah. people, I know people who do love her. I love her individually in her films. It's just often when you start a Look new film, yeah. you're like, you have to recalibrate like how what, supposed what to film? frustrates me is I find that one of the best iterations of her is in Iron Man 2 mm. like when we first meet her and she's in disguise and that drops and you see the real her like I've got a lot of thoughts about the relationship between Tony and Natasha based mm. on that movie mm. I thought that was really cool 
Yeah, and I, I liked her in the kind of... Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, I quite like her individually in all the films. Yeah, but actually, when you look at it as a whole, you're kind of like, mm. Mm. I mean, it's kind of, it's more Age of Ultron. I was going to say, she, the one movie where I feel they did right by her is Winter Soldier. Yeah, and I love that relationship. Of, her and Steve is a yeah. great dynamic. Yeah. Um, it's tough, and it's also, I know it's tough to write a character who's purposely meant to be a spy and changeable and whatever. But still. When someone had the theory that the Hulk Black Widow relationship was all like something that everything she was saying was to keep him part of the team and like was kind oh, of it, it I well, don't uh, I hate that I just and I, and I hate fucking heteronormativity of oh let's couple off people and yeah. she's the woman so it's her job to pacify but like Joss Whedon literally said oh I didn't want her and Hawkeye to be a couple because I don't want her to feel like the female character has to have a love interest anyway she's with Hawk, the Hulk now and I'm like you kind of, if you had done that with Hawkeye, it would have been quite as nice. And it would have been a very different thing. Appropriate little story. Paul's anyway, to say Bruce Banner, big fan. Bruce Mark, Banner, big Mark Ruffalo <laughs> as, as the Hulk. Turns to a green guy, big fan. Oh, big thank you. Um, mm. Yeah, I basically Captain Marvel can't come soon enough. Um, I mean, I'm still wary of how young an actress they cast, but I did. Oh, mm. Is that her name, Sheldon? Larson. Larson. I think Brie Larson will do an amazing job. I question their choice to put such a young actress in the role. Yeah. But it's. And I'm also super fucking stoked for Black Panther because that trailer looks dumb. That. I'm so glad at how weird it looks. Right. I was expecting them to like tone down Wakanda and make it no, kind of... No, they're leaning... That Afrofuturism... Yeah. Like, There's I, never been a film with that budget that looks like that. Yeah, and I'm, I am I saw an article... Oh, I've forgotten the actor's name. Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about the accent for... Yeah. Um, for him and it's just like he doesn't I did not want him to sound like he was educated in Europe because he wasn't. Yeah. Why would he sound like that? He's not from there. He's great. He mm, like that's ugh, oh. it's very sexy. Um, mm. I can't wait to know him better, but I really liked him in Civil War. And I'm so excited for all these ladies in Black Panther, though. There's a vibe in Black Panther of everyone in it is like we're making something that's yeah. going to be very important to a lot of people, and no one's taking it for granted. Yeah. Whereas you get a little sense in some of the films where they're like, "Yeah, I want to be in a Marvel film." Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like anything else. It's amazing. This is the thing. It's. <laughs> With every frustration, I find like between when the films come out, I'm like, ugh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, ugh, When blah, you're blah, in blah. them. And then as soon as I'm like in the cinema and it's starting, I love all of these films. Yeah. I came out of Age of Ultron having had a great time. Yeah, we went, we saw it yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. We were like, like, yeah, that was really fun. And then after like all the problems started sinking in, we're sort of like, oh, shine. But that's come similar off that to penny. a TV series. Yeah. Because when you look back on it, you're like, oh. Oh, they didn't really address that or they didn't do that. And, mm. Mm, but mm. I had a good time in the cinema. Yeah, I think. Do you have like a real least favorite? Because I can't. Oh, I can't think of one I've been to when I've in the cinema been really like this was a waste of money. I've never had that sensation. I didn't see Doctor Strange at the cinema. I haven't watched it at all yet. Um, I was just I saying felt... downstairs how I I do quite like the film. I was just trying to try and think what ones didn't leave much of an impression on me, but I can remember all of them. Like the ones I've seen, I didn't see Ant Man at the cinema, but I genuinely really liked it when I watched it on DVD. Yeah. Um, I'd argue that maybe Thor Two is one of the least memorable because all the stuff I really remember about it is like 
the jokey stuff with um, Stellan Skarsgård's character. And, yeah, I kind of remember like... And him being on the tube and going, that's not how you get... No, <laughs> that's not that tube line you have to change like twice. I maintain that the woman on the tube was only just saying that to get him on the train. <laughs> well, that I am down for. Um, yeah, oh, there's a few... Pause to thank the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the gift of Idris Elba, just in various forms. <laughs> we'll come back to this later. Um, yeah, I... I... <sighs> It's one of the things where, like, yeah, maybe I would like it to be a bit more inventive. Like, I really like what what uh, Fox is doing with the X-Men universe. Because if you just look at the things they have done over the last years, last couple of years, you have X-Men Apocalypse, which is standard X-Men, and then they you have uh, Logan, Deadpool... And then the Legion TV series and the trailer for the new mutants, which is like full on horror. Horror, yeah. And like, yeah, because Maisie Williams is in it as well. It's like, yeah, Maisie Williams. They're full on accepted that none of these films are really connected. Yeah, so we are the bastard children of this. So yeah, like fuck it. Logan. I don't know when that's set. It's, it's so in like 2025. It's meant to be like years later. Yeah, but it's kind of its own universe. It like, is. It doesn't really connect with anything else we know. So this just reminds me I need to watch the trailer for Deadpool 2. I've not watched it yet. I've seen the mm, gifts of it. Yeah. And just how amazing a Teenage Nigger Sonic Warhead looks. Uh, Yeah. No, I just think... Sorry. If I... if Like, this is a bit off topic, but I I think... I just derailed to talk about how I haven't seen the trailer for Deadpool (laughs) 2 yet, bud. You're you're fine. No, but like, I... The only if I could give the DC universe some advice, I'd say don't take it from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's too late. Take it from the X Men because I do think whenever people tell you what's the best DC stories, there are always these like alternate universe weird ones that yeah. like people like that and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we have talked about the TV shows briefly. Um, we have talked about the characters, and our favorites, and our. Uh, we don't really have least favourite movies. I don't like Iron Man 2 or Thor 2. Yeah. I know the most hated X-Men film is Iron Man 3, which I think is amazing. The most hated X-Men film is Iron Man 3. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty hard to... <laughs> <it's>... <laughs> that really strikes me as weird, because I think Iron Man 3 is amazing. I think it's one of the best ones. Yes, agreed. Shane Black knows how to write for Robert Downey Jr. I think it's just... Nerd boys upset that there's jokes and Quite more. And the uh Quite more, nerd boys, quite yeah. more. But it's really great. And like if you like the development of Iron Man, definitely see Spider-Man Homecoming because mm. there's Dad I know it's Tony. in the trailer, but just like the Dad Tony. Yeah, that kind of vibe and like his kind of all his advice he's giving Spider-Man. It's like he's the stuff he really wished somebody had said to him. Yeah, there's like just a moment of Spider-Man saying, I wanted to be just as good as you. And he's like, I wanted you to be better. Yeah. Because he just hates himself so much and it's so sad. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, I think maybe we are really, what we want to talk about is some of the negative things. And I think maybe that means we should go for our quick break. Okay, let's uh, let's head to the... I can put the kettle on. It's the middle section of the show. This is no phase two. This is quality <laughs> middle. And it, we say middle, but it shifts about. I think we're quite early this time, but it's I an think interval. we have praised them enough. It's time to put them on the chopping block. Um, but thank you for listening. 
Um, Thank you. Feels kind of shocking that it's taken for us 42 episodes to get yeah. to the MCU because it's such a massive part of nerddom. Yes. Um, but we would like to talk. We are, we are not sponsored by Marvel. We are not just saying good things because they're paying our bills. We are actually sponsored by Beastly Beverages. We love them. They do fantasy and fantasy luxury fandom and fantasy <laughs> luxury hand-blended, loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. you think I would have said it enough times by now, I'd be able to speak, but apparently not. <laughs> the business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and we think, we need to check, but last time I checked, I think all of their products are suitable for vegans, or if there aren't, if there are some that aren't, it's literally mm, minimal. Yes. Um, and, reason, and what we're talking about today on their product spotlight is Beastly Beverages, has a plethora, its own little cinematic universe, of Marvel-inspired teas and coffees. I believe it's one tea and the rest are coffees. Oh, right. Because I this is checking. actually one on which I can say I've bought one. Hell yeah. I bought, ah, oh, coffee, no, which is the Hawkeye tea, a uh, coffee. Oh, that's one that tastes like toffee popcorn, it's isn't it? It's the toffee it? popcorn I one. I need some. Um, more so inspired by the uh, Hawkeye comic. The Matt Fraction yeah. run specifically. The real Hawkeye, not uh, but, my Hawkeye. <laughs> but yes, there is coffees based not only on some of the characters. We have um, the Hawkeye coffee that we've just discussed. We also have uh, on your left, which is Cap, uh, which I believe is the possibly has like cherry pie. There's a Loki one, a Thor one. A the Loki Bucky. one's called Full Tilt Diva. The, the names are fantastic. Um which ingredients include gunpowder green tea? Yeah, that's the one. The one tea that there is in the Marvel range is that one. There is a Loki coffee called Trust Me. <laughs> uh, there's also what's really fun is there are some for all of you shippers out there. There are some pairing based coffees. We've got a uh, Winter Captain. Um, looks to be. I don't know if that's just two. Oh, there's two labels. Oh wow! Collect them all. There's also <laughs> Winter Widow and Blackhawk. Uh, Blends. Um, the coffees are really amazing. I don't drink coffee and I want to buy some of these because they smell fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I didn't drink coffee, but I bought the Hawkeye one just because I like sniffing the bag and yeah. I kept it with me just sniffing the bag and I wanted to make a cake out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, if, you, uh, if you want to adorn your mug with more Marvel... Mm geeky paraphernalia stickers um, there's stickers. also Marvel sticker sheets um, by Lydia Butts uh, depicting Loki Black Widow Hawkeye Bucky and Captain America and they are adorable they're all sorts of good things and you can find them all at beastiebeverages.com where if you spend um, £20 or more you can use the sponsor code BEVERAGEBEAST all one word capital B's and you can get free shipping on that and they ship worldwide and that's uh, to um that's two bags of coffee. Coffee. And these tend to uh, give you 100, 100 cups. cups, which is pretty great. That's fucking cheaper than going to Starbucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and better, I imagine. Yeah. So they, yes, they ship worldwide. And that's at beaversprovages.com. But they also have a Patreon, Facebook, a Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram, which are the ways which are best to find out about new products and mm-hmm. have your say. Um, once again, that code is Beverage Beast. Uh, one last thing I want to give a shout out to uh, our producer, Graham. 
is uh ha- is has uh is part of a synthwave duo Glitterwolf and their debut album is probably out now thinking about it uh called Spectrum it's full of synthwave 80 goodness if you like the Thor Ragnarok soundtrack yeah, gonna you are going to like this you could play any of these songs in the background of that shot of Valkyrie walking in slow motion and it would work perfectly <laughs> If you could drown out the uh, heavenly chorus. Uh, but yeah, um, that's coming out. Uh, you, you can find that on Bandcamp, on Amazon Music, on Google Play. Um, we have for you guys a sample of one of the tracks. So um, finish your beverages. Hamish and I will drink up and we'll get back to the MCU after this uh, little slice of spectrum. I think there's 12? We got six TV shows. There's the shorts. Yeah. Where are all the queers at? What we got? So, this is what it amounts to canonically. Mm Mm-hmm. And we are going to talk about stuff that actors and directors have tried to say. Mm Mm-hmm. But this is undeniable representation. So, there are three queer women and Jessica Jones... I can't remember exactly how many of them die. Mm-hmm. Is it one of them? Or I think it's just the one. One of them die, and they're involved in a vicious love triangle. And to be honest, I liked them. We are big fans of Jerry. Is it Jerry Hall, the character? Uh, I don't remember actually, but she was a gender yes slid yes character from the comics. But they kept the kind of Asshole banging lawyer. the secretary banging for the secretary cheating tribe. on the wife yeah. thing. It was funny. The same series also included two, like a married gay couple who get murdered off screen. I don't remember. I don't even remember that. This is the thing. This is the thing. The 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 representation we're talking about are like I kind of remember. No, there's just a a penthouse that Kilgrave walks into, yes. and like one of them's like yes, killing no, no, themselves. You, you know, you, yeah. And there was also a gay person in an episode of Agents of Shield. That, yeah, that was a tumbleweed just floated through the room. Um, yeah. Now, a lot of people, I think, would... People who want to believe more. And we want to believe. We want to believe. We but, um, Yeah, we have a version of that X-Files poster. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, a picture of Hernando and Leto kissing a bride. <laughs> like, um they, uh, yes, there's a lot, there's so much stuff we could read into, and there's so much stuff that actors or directors have, like... Alluded conf- to, uh, Yeah, or- they've said, or they've not denied, um, and I know a lot of headcanons and things are very important to people, but ultimately that's If it ain't on lot. screen. And both of them are in TV shows, which aim a little higher age... Age of Agents of Shield less so, but Jessica Jones definitely. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit suspicious. And yeah, on an individual film basis, I'm not expecting something. But when we started this podcast, we listed how big this show is, how big this world is. Yeah, 
And twiddling our thumbs, thinking, okay, yeah. so where are we? Especially because we said this is based on the real world. Yeah. It's fucked up, yo. So um, I'm going to just mention that, because I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the statements we've had mm-hmm. based on this subject. Yeah. James Gunn said some stuff which I just think he doesn't think a lot about LGBT representation. So he said stuff that I think he probably thought was super progressive, but it's like, yeah, we've heard that before. Yeah. And he said that a lot of characters in the MCU are... um, Very few of them. A lot of characters, uh, very few of them that we've delved into their sexuality, whether it's gay or straight or bisexual, we don't really know. So I imagine they are probably, you know, gay characters in the MCU. Um, And then he did say that just watch volume two and tell me what you think. And it was like, because I remember reading that and yeah. watching the film was like watching an Agatha Christie thing. <laughs> Which one's but like, gay? Yeah. And like, some people have said that Mantis is meant to be because she's, but like, what? what? And some people have said that, um, I can't remember his character's name, but Sean Gunn's character. Yeah. Who, I don't know, is, me- is he meant to have like kind of Burn Smithers relationship with... Is it Yanto? Maybe? I, but like, a director shouldn't say like, tell me what you think and then yeah. make us go like, I don't, don't know what no. you're talking about. Yeah. Did you... Did you cut something out? Like, Did we miss it? Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. I can think of... <sighs> It's so easy. You don't, like, people overthink it, but, like, I think about this bit in Guardians of the Galaxy when um, John C. Riley's character, like, goes back home to his family after the planet yeah. is saved. And I'm like... Could have been a man. Could have been a husband. Could have been a man. Could have been a... And it's just like, it's not that hard, guys. Like, I'm not expecting you to... Give me a gay opus. Yeah, I just... Make us exist. And I think this becomes deep, even more frustrating when characters are canonically. Like, mm. within, the, I appreciate that talking about comic continuity is <laughs> a fucking, <coughs> excuse me, fucking rabbit hole warren to go down. Because which consist, which continuity do you talk about? But for one example, let's talk about Loki. Yes. Who, in varying versions, is canonically bisexual and is a shapeshifter, has a very tenuous grasp on gender, and that's the way Loki likes it. Mm-hmm. There is none of that in the films. And except, fact- mate, you, I mean, regardless of how you want to interpret some of Tom Hiddleston's acting choices, and I do, but that is not canonical representation. And also, in fact, in... In the Avengers, he's quite sexist. That's true, and that bothers the crap out of me. Like, but that's a uh, that's that's Joss Whedon, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's that. I I, I like. I was just going to mention how Kevin Feige, who's the actual person in charge of this whole thing, was asked about it, and he said, "Within the next decade, I would think so for sure." And something. He then yeah. He then went on to say, I was about like, to say something I should not have said. He then went on to talk about like, oh, it like. We just follow what the comics do and Get fucked, Kevin Feig. They have not done that many times. And it's silly. It's very silly. That's the There's thing. no excuse. Yeah, that's what I think is like you were just saying, that's what you do not have to work hard to do to achieve this. Like 
we've taught like I can only think of band in like tropey terms, but like we've talked about the gay best friend. That's bad. But like Spider Man Homecoming, he could have just had a gay best friend. He could have just that's what I'm saying like I want better representation than this yes but bad like okay representation is still like better than nothing it's I think it's better than nothing some people don't but it's just it's easy yeah the thing is it again it's because we have seen so like the tiny scraps that we've had it just otherwise it creates an impression that this is it's a thing that doesn't happen in the world Mm. and while you're right to say yeah no people's these people are heroes we don't see their personal lives most of the time but people will default to thinking characters are straight yeah. for the most part, unless you're like us. Yeah, and no. many people like us are just like, we seek out. I'd love to say to James Gunn when he's like, oh, look at volume two. I'm like, oh yeah, Peter Quill, he's bisexual. He's like, oh, okay, maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, how are you expecting me to read these films now? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to talk about Val, we're going to talk about Valkyrie in a second, but. Yeah. This isn't the- just a Marvel thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, because hmm. I have very similar complaints with Star Wars. Yeah. Common factor is Disney. And mm-hmm. they... I know they gave... I know we gave us that exclusively gay moment in Beauty and the Beast and we should... Oh, and I was touched to my core. <laughs> we forever should remain thankful for that. Um, they just... It's not really on their radar. They're making so much money. They're succeeding. They, they don't need to risk it. We're still going to see these films. Right. Um, it's disappointing. Like, to me, the plot of Captain America Civil War makes more sense if... Bucky is a romantic... Yeah, if... Partner. Yeah. It doesn't... It and, and I, I don't want to get into the whole, like, we need relationships about male friendship, because... We have... Uh, we do have those. Hmm. The fact of the matter is, the relationship that Steve Rogers has with Bucky Barnes, that is the most important relationship in his life. Yeah, and I think most people can agree in Civil War, the odd romance thing he has with, like, Peggy Sharon Carter's, Carter. Yeah. Like, everyone's that like, mm. so forced in. That, that kiss they share where, like, Bucky and Sam are in the car. Yeah. And we're all there with them, like, what the fuck? And the thing is, that's... Uh, to me, that exists because if it didn't, what is the film about? It's about Captain America like defying logic and law, yeah, to protect his friend who he trusts more than everyone else. But for well, why? Like, I can understand that they're best friends. I have to because that's what the film presents as. But but and I don't. I'm not a shipper of that. I just think. Yeah, neither am I. That doesn't change the fact that some films structure. I, I don't have to like be so in love with a romantic pairing for a romantic film or a film about a relationship to be structured that way. It's just... Sure. It's very strange to me. Yeah. But it would never happen because Captain America can be a Nazi, but he can't kiss a boy. Thanks, Marvel. Thanks, Marvel. Um, Let's talk about Valkyrie. Yes, please. Uh, Valkyrie, who is in the comics, canonically bisexual. Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing I knew about that being the case was that I saw a tweet from Tessa Thompson talking about the fact that, yeah, Valkyrie is bi in the comics and I wanted to reflect that in the role. Mm. Um, We've heard that there was actually a scene on the cutting room floor of um, a woman leaving her chambers. Mm. Um, And she has said in an interview, um, 
small spoiler, I suppose, for Thor Ragnarok of when one of her fellow Valkyries is killed, she said, in my mind, that character was my lover. That's how I read it. That's how I read it. It's it, it the this, the way the scene is done is there's a lot of Valkyries dying. Yeah, that's not hurting her. She's a warrior. But that there's woman... one in particular who I quite liked because she looked a lot like the comic book Valkyrie. Yeah. Um. Her dying is this grief on her face. Yeah, and that's what like made her abandon Asgard. And yeah, that's another example where like yes, that makes more sense if it's a love story. And the thing is, like, yeah, Tessa has come out and said that is how I played it. But the fact of the matter is, her having to say that in an interview mm. with this scene on the cutting room floor, while I appreciate her saying that, and I do, and that is important, that's still, like, how is that? That's not enough. Yeah, we shouldn't have to, like... She shouldn't have to say in interviews that's the case. It should have got to be in the film. We've talked about how representation only matters if people who aren't looking for it... Can see it. Can see it. It doesn't not that it doesn't matter, it's just that... <sighs> our reading doesn't matter because the majority of the viewing audience... Will miss it or ignore yeah. it. And they understand that representing bisexuality, if you... You can say the word, but... Schrodinger sexuality. If you are trying... If you don't want to say the word for whatever reason... Mm-hmm. Um, can Thank be- you for Tessa Thompson for saying the word bisexual. Yeah, I mean... Man, I'm just thinking, how poignant would it have been to have that scene of a woman mm. leaving her chambers that was looked very similar to the actress who we saw die in the mm. flashback? Yeah. Imagine that and then just like, oh, sh- how heartbreaking is that? Just like you keep sleeping with people that look like your dead girlfriend. Like, mm. there's so much pain and pathos in that and that would have taken so little screen time. It gives her so much more of an arc against Hela and like, mm-hmm. it's it just makes more sense. Yeah. And like, there's enough in there that that's how I'll forever read it. Yeah. But it's frustrating that... Yeah. And like, what a great, like first LGB character in a Marvel movie she is if yeah. that were the case she's yeah. badass and can we call her an LGBT character even well I, I mean I want to call her that even if we don't see that aspect of her I mean the problem with word of God and we've discussed this before mm. on the show because obviously we talk about representation a lot and we're not going to apologise for that and we're not going to stop talking about representation anytime soon. No, while it doesn't, while it, yeah, while it doesn't count as on-screen representation, do we still get to say that Valkyrie, because it was confirmed, like on the DVD, if that scene is there? Mm. It's the Dumbledore thing where I, th- I don't think it counts yet. But it could. But I'm assuming we'll see her again and... I will be... Let me see Valkyrie flirting with Black Widow. Let me see it. Yeah. Let me see her love it. Let me see Valkyrie and Gamora. Mm. Well, yes. I know that in Infinity War, for a for a, a big chunk of it, the Thor gang and the Guardians of the Galaxy gang will be paired up. Give it to me. They're the space people. Give it to um, me. And... Uh, we, we, we have seen that Valkyrie appreciates a warrior. Like yes. she like I love her and Hulk being buddies also. That makes me really happy. I would like let, give me a scene where she sees Gamora fighting and there is a look. I'm happy for Gamora to not reciprocate the interest because Gamora has romantic issues with intimacy and stuff like that. And I can appreciate they're doing a slow burn with her and Peter. Whatever. 
but give me Valkyrie giving a very appreciative look and saying something flirty and Gamora being a bit flustered and like, no, thank you. <laughs> give me that. That's all you need. That I, is all I, you need. My, it's more so of Star Wars, but like my bar for what I will accept in Star Wars is so low. I'm like, solo (laughs) (laughs) get out of the (sighs) show it's literally yeah show me like Poe kiss an extra on this cheek before he gets next wing and cut her out of the Chinese edit or the Russian edit I just (sighs) that's how that's where we come to we aren't asking for a lot no and Valkyrie well, like, it's it more so other things, but, like... So Harley Quinn, Deadpool, and Wonder Woman... All canonically, all, uh, canonically pansexual in Deadpool's case, bisexual yeah, in... All had some of the biggest, like, yeah. superhero movies of last year. And... I mean, Gal Gadot has talked in interviews. I think Margot Robbie has talked in interviews. Ryan Reynolds is just Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, no one's seeing, the, like, the layman's or whatever, the the non... LGBT, yeah, desperately looking for representation. People will never think of that in those films. Deadpool, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it straddles a line, which means the <laughs> straddles a line that like <laughs> <sighs> this is how desperate we are. Yeah, it can like we we it, it functions as a joke for other people. Yeah, it's just a sad case of things, and and like especially with superheroes, it just takes the feeling that like these are meant to be the best of us and the ones that are most heroic. And to and say like, that they're all straight and predominantly white, though, again, not really what we talk about. I don't it's relevant. feel like the MCU has a huge problem of queer-coding villains. No. Um, Loki has become so deep and, like, does he even function as a villain in any way anymore? No, he's like the annoying asshole brother. And then, yeah, and... I can't really think of any others that... They don't seem to have that problem. Yeah. But the problem is that there's no queer coding anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the fan theories, yes. as it were, regarding stuff that is uh, pe- what people have seen within the MCU and taken, mm. and just to illustrate just how easy that can be. Yeah. Um, I don't know much about this. Have you read more about trans Peter Parker? I have read quite a lot, which, ignoring the part where it would have been a cis male actor Mm. Uh, but there's apparently a lot of lines in the film about him stressing he's Spider-Man and he's and things like that and just like a lot of the nature of it being around puberty and stuff I've seen some essays about it some gift sets going people know that it's people know it's a headcanon but the fact of the matter is it's so easy to take that read on the character is amazing to me there's um in the film, there's a moment which I'm so surprised yeah. was not taken in a gay panic way. Right. But, like, it's in the trailer or a clip, but, uh, so, hopefully it doesn't spoil it. Um, I don't even need to say it, but basically, Peter Parker's friend has found him dressed up as Peter Parker in his bedroom. Yeah. And Peter takes his costume off. Yeah. But then Aunt May walks in, and he's just stood in his room... Shirtless. Shirtless with his friend. And they're both looking, like, panicked and, like, she's walked in. And at no point does she mention anything. Yeah. And it's that's not representation of anything, but, like, oh, I was impressed you didn't go down that route. Yeah. Like, this isn't what this looks like. Yeah. 
Um, just in that second, I've suddenly thought about what if... Because Uncle Ben has not been even mentioned. They don't even, not yeah. even said uncle. What if it was like Auntie Benjamina? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we can have dead lesbians. That's fine. Um, oh, yeah, that's never problematic. Oh, shit, where's the jar? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, I owe the jar. We should uh, go see Black Panther with our problem manager of money. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. But, well, Fine. Trans Peter Parker, I think it's it's an, it, it's an interesting reading. Yeah. Oh, uh, one thing I will mention, well, that again, uh, is bisexual Peter Parker. Because mm. uh, while Andrew Garfield is no longer attached, he was pushing so hard for it. And the- some people feel that might be part of why Andrew Garfield was no longer... There is a Spider-Man. Tumblr post which dates mm. certain statements, and yeah. it's very interesting. Of yeah. him saying, "I want this to happen," uh, Stan Lee hearing about it and saying, "Oh, I've never heard of that." Other producers talking about, "Well, we don't know where we're going in the third film," and like, hmm. Mm. And he had an interview recently where it wasn't really about that, but he said that was that the, the roundtable one that yeah, Dev Patel was also on yeah, about that, like, seeing yourself in things and. Yeah, realizing you're attached to these franchises, which kind of don't mean what you what don't don't mean as much as you put into them. Yeah, um, Andrew Garfield has done has said some things in recent months, just like Andrew Shush, please <laughs> continue. You can you can be an ally, yeah. buddy, but you need to maybe shush. Yeah, but I'm, I I still am a fan for him trying to push for that and his openness to that. Yeah, um, I love both of those films, if only just for. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone's like <sighs> so performance. Good. They're so good in it. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to think of other opportunities like gender fluid Loki. Gender fluid Loki. I, we I, could have had a Car- Eva Green and Tom Hiddleston look so <laughs> freaky like each other sometimes. Yeah, have them just there. Like you could have easily just done a thing. Like we know canonically that Loki likes to fuck with people. Mm. That. I I realise that that converged very close to the bait and switch, it's a trap trope, which is horrible and bad, but you wouldn't have to do it in a negative, I gotcha, mm. there's a penis down there. No, no. Gender essentially is bullshit, but even like have Loki refer to uh, himself as themself, yeah. things like that. Um, I was mentioning this uh, thing in with Guns Galaxy with John C. Riley, but... I was a little bit disappointed to the similar thing of like Hawkeye's big secret in Age of Ultron is yes, a he has a wife and, and children. It's like wow, wow. so shocking. <laughs> I say in my best uh, Miranda Priestly double as Prada voice, like mm. wow, wife and kids backstory is so amazing. So in, yeah. um, oh, that was uh, innovative. Oh, yeah, that's it. That was, that's what I was trying to say. Um, I'm just the, this. Hmm. I mean, I told about my Star-Lord theories. I still feel like if the the things he has said that he has slept with yeah. defy description, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe they all have a binary gender thing, no. but maybe they do in James Gunn's cosmic universe. But yeah, um, but then we've also... Well, I agree. There's also that... Sorry, I shouldn't have <laughs> doing that. But also how somebody views themselves... Like, mm. you can argue to the hilt that says, well, you're not straight if you've slept with somebody who's outside the gender binary and isn't a woman if you're a man. Yeah. But that's a whole other fucking thing. I'll tell you what they should do. 
if we're talking how there are queer characters within the comics with runaways happening mm, like yeah. actually that'll be interesting because obviously one of the characters in runaways is a lesbian mm. so hopefully we will get that canonical representation again a tv show yeah but part of the cinematic universe nonetheless other characters are hulkling and wiccan yeah i mean everything's there the hulkling is a scroll mm -hmm. which are going to be the villains of captain marvel Ooh. um wiccan is meant to be the child of scarlet witch and vision um well, through timey-wimey nonsense magic so it's they're there they won't uh, do it. Give us. Um, I don't know North Star. So North Star is comics' very first openly. Well, hmm, is that debatable. a Marvel thing? Yeah, um, he's part of a team called Alpha Flight. All right, which is like the Canadian Avengers, uh, um, and he was like the first out out character. There is a DC character who looks like a bizarre fetishy Doctor Strange. Right. Thing, but he was very much a joke. All right. And I don't even know if. Yeah, he was very much a joke. Okay. Um, Should I tell you who's not a joke? America Charlotte's. And I'm not just yeah. very excited because Stephanie Beatrice dressed as her at Halloween and looked amazing. Yeah. I mean. And I love. I, when I say I love that she's aggressively bi in the comics, I don't mean that she is aggressive. But things <laughs> like how one member of the team of Young Avengers says, I can't believe I'm the only straight one on this mm. team. To which point America says, I've seen the way you look at me. <laughs> and it's just like, yes. I, my, as much as I complimented the recent X-Men films, it does seem like in, in the future, Marvel might get them back. I do think the X-Men works better separated because it's whole. It's got so much of its own baggage. Yeah. it would. Feel... And they so rarely interact. Yeah. That said, something that's kind of frustrating is that um x-men often is this allegory for like being the oppressed that's its concept yes. um and often dabbles in using mm. like, like i think about the scene i think in x-men 2 of that like have you ever tried not being a mutant thing? yeah and also bobby overtly flirting with logan yeah and yet they don't have they have representation in the comics, yeah, but not so much in the films. I was gonna say Logan's bisexual, guys. Just yeah. you know, him and Nightcrawler definitely did it once. There's a whole comic about him and Hercules being a couple in like a parallel universe, but oh, I don't yeah. think sexuality changes based on parallel universes. Maybe. Um, well, then we can apply that to uh, Tony Steve as a ship because there is a ver there is a canonical version where. They married. Yes, granted, I think in that universe Iron Man's a woman, but still, mm. it's the personality. Yeah. I mean, I just... What's so frustrating is there is so much potential within it. Mm. But as these diverse voices come in, like maybe in an upcoming movie, we'll get to see it. I don't know if Captain Marvel canonically has any love interests. I don't know the comics well enough. No. Nope. Ooh, Captain Marvel and Valkyrie. <laughs> You can't just keep saying these things and they won't happen. I know they won't happen, but I can... Look, I'm a very imaginative person. Well, as Kevin says, we'll definitely get one in the next decade. Um, I just think, like I said, individually, you don't notice it. But if in Infinity War, it's just a row of straight dudes called Chris, you're like, hmm, okay, where, where are we? Where? Yeah, I mean, they can afford to. 
And really what's frustrating is that I really don't think they can afford not to. Yeah. And it won't look good in the history books. No. Um, there are some things that the MCU are doing so right. Like they have the potential to do some really wonderful stuff. I'm, I I love Taika Waititi for filming that scene. Even if it didn't. Even if it was cut. I, it's one of those things where I talk a lot about representation where there often are people involved trying really hard. Yeah. But it takes the big people up top who probably don't think mm. of themselves as homophobic or anything. They're just like it's numbers. Systematic, systematic oppression. Global audiences. You know. Is Taika openly queer at all? That Or is it just his vibe? Because he gives well, off a, a vibe and an aesthetic. I guess there's nothing open. Right. If I've not... Yeah, I'm fairly certain that you would know if it was... I tend to, I've, I've watched all all of him on YouTube. <laughs> like, whatever they, I can get. Mm. I'm such a fan of the way he talks about films and yeah. his fashion sense, his That's choice kind of, of romper suits. Gonna, yeah, no, <laughs> his aesthetic choices, both as a director and as wearer of clothes, do not scream heterosexual man to me. That photo of him stood next to Kate Blanchett in costume is queer culture. <laughs> <laughs> and a microcosm. Um, but that's, yeah. that's me getting off topic. But maybe if they hired some openly. Mm. But then we're getting into the, ho- the wider problem of Hollywood generally. And we spent last episode bitching about Hollywood quite a lot. Yeah, I want to just say, footnote, as we talk about all representation, um, mm-hmm. it's completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say that I actually can't remember. Okay. Great podcasting, Hamish. It was something, but basically, if you've ever talked, to, ever heard us talk about representation, we do repeat a lot of the same things. Of like, there should be more. In this case, there's none, so yeah. there should be something. It's, it's not very, hard. It's not hard. You can you can misstep, and it's better than not, not stepping. Um, and yeah, let Steve kiss someone. Let, let Steve kiss a boy. Let, let Steve kiss a boy. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's no. I think that's fair. Um on that cheery note <laughs> of longing for Captain America to kiss a boy. Um if you want to get in contact with us to bemoan that he has yet to kiss a boy or to Remind maybe tell me. us yeah, tell us like if there's stuff in the comics that you feel like maybe we would like to know about. Yep, or remind me about what I was going to say. It was going to be a really yeah, great endpoint. Mm-hmm. Anyone can tell. Um, we've got individual Twitters. I'm Rose. I'm Hamish Steele. And uh, you can. <laughs> sorry, I didn't. This has become a mess. I uh, yes. If you want to contact Box Not Included directly, you can do so on Twitter and Tumblr. Um, we've got a Facebook group. At, at Facebook, yeah, we have an email. Box Not Included at gmail.com. We want to hear from you guys. Get in contact. With Feel us. free to rate, review, and subscribe. That's on awesome. iTunes. <laughs> um, as always, we want to thank Graham Waller, Audio Overlord, Master of the Soundwaves, for our theme music. He helps produce the podcast. You heard his amazing song. Something earlier. Marvel doesn't do very well, and it's very memorable music and catchy. Mm. Um, and if you like that, check out glitterwolf.bandcamp.com. You can find the album Spectrum there. You can also go along to GrahamWaller.com. If you're making a podcast of your own and want to commission him to do your theme music, he's awfully good at it. Yes. <laughs> um, but until next time, I'm Jade Rose. I'm Iron Man. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and don't let anybody box you in. <laughs>